You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 121. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. I am in addiction recovery about 53 months and a half or so. Ah, pretty good. Pretty good. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Nomo. My Nomo app is what keeps track of all my days and weeks and months and years. And hell, I think it keeps it down to the second. It's been amazing. An amazing week coming to you guys on a Wednesday night, not my normal Tuesday. Uh, just because the five day challenge, the winning formula, stop self sabotage has been going on all week. We have been handling stuff on the back end. It has absolutely been phenomenal. If you are still a little resistant to stopping self-sabotage within yourself, one, I would ask you why. What is holding you back from making this change in your life, whether it's your relationships, your career, yourself, your health, your fitness, your emotional state, your mental acuity, your spiritual groundedness, meditation, name it, whatever it is. Seek to grow yourself on a regular basis. Don't just be at the mercy of the winds, letting other people dictate how you're going to think and how you're going to decide and what your opinions and whatnot are all going to be. Take charge of your change. You have chosen to be sober. You have moved into addiction recovery. It is your responsibility to take control of your life. And for those of you who are sober curious, I can promise you it is delicious over on this side of the field. Come, join us. I will not judge those who think that they still desire to have alcohol in their life. I will not judge those who still do drugs. I just won't judge. I made enough of a mockery of my life for the 22 years I was using, not to mention probably about eight years before that started. I have enough of my plate to handle for myself than to have any opportunity or desire to judge you. Now, if you find yourself judging yourself, now you start to have that internal struggle on the inside and you could have resistance towards certain change. Maybe you've tried to stop self-sabotaging in the past and it hasn't worked out the way you had hoped. Maybe you've paid a lot of money for programs in the past and they have not given you the results. Look in the mirror and ask yourself, was it your effort or was it really their program? More than likely it was your effort because I'm a firm believer. Any self-help book you read, if you follow it, you will get better. Because people put time and effort into writing those books. College Success Habits, The Seven Powerful Principles to Help You Excel in College and Beyond could have been called The Sobriety and Recovery Success Habits, The Seven Powerful Principles principles to help you excel in your sobriety and recovery and beyond. It could have been named that. I went with the college people because I wanted to get at the future addicts so that they wouldn't find themselves listening to this show in 20 years. But either way, if you read that book and you follow my seven powerful principles, your life will get better. It's all about effort. So if you, if you find resistance to showing up for the winning formula, ask yourself, what is it inside of you? What is it you're hearing? What is it you're seeing? What is it that you're feeling when you're being asked to come join a, this five-day challenge that's causing you resistance? 
oh, it's just some dude I met, I saw on Instagram, and I've been checking out his podcast. He can't know shit. I mean, it's just just some Instagram dude. And you think whatever you want to think. There's a lot of amazing people over on Instagram offering up some delicious, awesome little nuggets of wisdom. You choose to embrace those and adopt them into your lives or not. It's you, you're deciding to judge it in one way or another. I say do not seek to judge right or wrong. Seek to understand. And so today I'm going to come to you reading some excerpts out of this book by Stuart Wilde called Life Was Never Meant to Be a Struggle. I came across this randomly seeking to find my motorcycle key. And I came across and I was like, huh, I wonder what this is about. This is, it was in, it was in a drawer with like my passport. Uh, and so I was like, okay, well, clearly I kept this for some reason, but based on the spine, I had never opened it. I must have at some point been like, oh, Stuart Wilde, I know that guy. It sounds like Jack Handy from those SNL skits. So I should totally keep this. So I cracked it open, and one of the first things I read was about conflict. And I've been having a lot of conflict in one of the most important relationships in my life lately. And I'm seeking ways to communicate more healthy so that I can I can reignite the bond and, and I can allow this 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 relationship with this person to blossom rather than to struggle. Right? And I don't want to struggle. And so when I saw life was never meant to be a struggle, I thought, oh my gosh, this book must be meant for me to read today. So I read how to I I read the first chapter the Strugglers Hall of Fame, and it, and it lists these 10 things as being what people who struggle in life often um, need to assess within themselves and really wrap their heads around. And um, it was absolutely fantastic, right? So it's all about identifying struggle. Um, and these are the 10 areas that would be struggles for you if you are a struggler. And what we seek to be is not strugglers, right, but flyers. We speak to fly, fly amongst the angels or the birds. Um, maybe not angels, because that might mean that you're no longer with us. So fly amongst the birds, but don't really try to fly, because I don't think humans have figured that out yet, unless you're from the future. And then you might absolutely positively know how to fly. And if you'd like to show up tonight and download those blueprints into my brain, I would not be opposed. Back to the book. Top 10 ways that you can start to recognize where you are struggling. One, your physical body. Two, your emotional balance. Three, your relationships. <laughs> That's literally what I'm thinking about. Four, your physical living circumstances. Five, your finances. Six, your attitude to the world around you. Seven, your ability to handle conflict. Eight, your ability to handle stress. Nine, your psychological state. And ten, your spiritual balance. So let's dive into a few of these that I think really, really struck me when I turned into this book. And I want to start off with your psychological state, because I think it sums up a few of the other ones that we're going to talk about. Number nine, your psychological state. If your psychological state causes you anguish, it will either be, it will be either a byproduct of your physical state or once more of your opinion. How much of each applies to you? So let's ask yourself about your psychological state. Right, if there, if the two main factors of what affects your psychological state, according to Stuart Wilde, are your physical body, and your in your opinion, and how much you latch onto it, rather than opening up a pathway of communication with others who have differing or even same opinions, right? I mean, and it's funny, like no two people will ever have the same opinion about the same kind of topic. 
I'll use the Florida Gators as a as a reference point. I love the Florida Gators. Huge football fan. Love the Florida Gator football team. Not everyone will agree on who I think the best quarterback is, Tim Tebow, or who some people would say Danny Werfel. Some people would say the best quarter running back was Emmett Smith. Others might say it was Neil Anderson. Reality, Emmett Smith is called the best running back because he went off and broke the NFL rushing record, but he wasn't all that great when he was a Florida Gator. He was good, but he wasn't like, oh my goodness, best running back of all time. No two people who like the Florida Gators are generally going to agree on all the best players in any one particular position. So even though we both like the Gators, we may not agree with who we think the best players are. The point of that whole minute and a half about football was that no matter how much you like something, and so does somebody else, at some point, if you keep chunking down to the minutia, you will find an area where you don't get along. Two people might love Ford, but when you start chunking down to which which style uh, or which which particular year of the Mustang is the best, you're going to start to find differing opinions. The more you get down into the minutia of something, the more likely there is to be conflict. If you stay up in the higher range of it, with just do you like Ford or Chevy, right? Do you what do you value trust over um, over honesty, right? I don't know. I'm losing it. Leave it alone, Jess. Let's get back to the book. Holding on to your opinion, and now let's go back to number seven: your ability to handle conflict. Conflict is always. I'm reading the book. Conflict is always just a divergence of opinions. Are you struggling to convince others that your opinion is right? And if you are right, so what? To win a moral victory at the expense of your sanity is dumb. And there is something to be said about literally just pounding your opinion into somebody so badly because you need them to agree with you that it costs you sanity points. If you're holding on to your opinion that much that you can't even possibly hear somebody else's without immediately wanting to jump down their ass for why they're wrong, then what kind of connection are you actually starting with that person? Why are you even trying to have a conversation with them if you're not even going to allow them the space to say what it is that they feel? Right? That's it, that to me it, it just it boggles my mind when I get into conversations with people and they will just want to keep, it's like yelling. The the louder their voice gets, the more they think I'm going to believe what they're saying is right. It doesn't work that way. People have made their opinions, their values, and their belief systems based off of their memories, their experiences. Hell, from zero to seven, our entire life is just basically uh, implanted into us by the adults closest to us by other children that we're influenced by. Hell, we can randomly see, you know, uh, two people on the street behaving a certain way, and we could just take that and we internalize it because, again, we've talked about this. Humans are meaning-making machines, and we make a meaning out of something, and we don't even know why because we're so young, we're just being imprinted and implanted upon. So some of these opinions you're holding on to with your dear life may not even be necessarily the ones that had you get had you have the opportunity to choose all over again that you would even accept as true to you. And the beauty of it is when you step into sobriety and recovery you're literally starting your life over. You have the choice to choose a different way. Choose wisely. Your attitude towards the world, reading out of the book again, right? If you let the world affect how you feel, what you are saying is, I do not make my own decisions. I just have a Pavlovian response 
to anything that may twang my emotions. What I love about this line from the book is that if you let the world affect how you feel, what you're saying is I have a Pavlovian response to anything that, that touches me emotionally. And I really love this one because it allows me to look at all the things that I don't necessarily think are going right in the world and be able to relax any kind of emotional involvement I feel drawn to have to it that could radically just affect my day, my week, my life, and heaven forbid, my sobriety. I'm not going to allow myself to be that plastic bag from the American Beauty movie that just gets blown around in the wind. And any old time I flip on the telly or I check out or you know, some notification from a news service pops up on my phone and says something that I may not necessarily be thrilled about, and I'm going to let that send me off into a tizzy. I have enough things going on in my life that I'm that I seek to grow and build and figure out that to let every little ebb and flow, every little hiccup that the world has happened to it radically affect my emotional state. It doesn't mean I don't care, but I also understand that there's a, there's a certain level of control I have over the external world and it's pretty much fucking nothing. <laughs> You can't control how somebody responds and reacts to you. You can't control what somebody says back to you. You can't control the the wind, the rain, the earth, the moon, the sun. You can't control Washington, D.C. when you live in Boise, Idaho. You can't control, you know, the state capital when you live in Los Angeles in a suburb and you've got multiple jobs and you're just trying to save up enough money to buy an RV. Like, there's only so much, you, you like, think about it. How much of any of this stuff can you truly control? The southwest United States is running out of water, so I can turn off the faucet while I brush my teeth, but I can't make everybody else do the same thing, even if that would save 250,000 gallons of water a day. I can't make them do it. That's a made-up stat. I don't know if it would be that much, and in fact, I honestly think it would be more. The point is that you can control you. If you allow your emotions to get twinged and twinged and you get yourself in an emotional uproar every single time you come across something that doesn't go the way you would want it to, you are going to be exhausted. You have to figure out a way to allow it. It can come in and then it can just flow right out. The singer talks about this in The Untethered Soul. Just imagine you're driving down a road and there's just trees flying by, right? Hey, there's a tree, and there goes a tree. Hey, there's a tree, and there goes a tree. Hey, there's a tree, there goes a tree. There's some birds, and there go the birds. Right? You don't you don't squeeze and hold on tightly to a tree that is passed by your window at 65 miles an hour. There it was, and now it goes. You can allow it to enter into your, your awareness, and then you can just as easily let it flow out. Doesn't mean that you still won't necessarily donate to charities that that care about the causes that you care about doesn't mean you won't go volunteer doesn't mean that you don't care about things but you also don't like latch on to it for your for your emotional stability because if you latch on to things externally from you for your emotional stability for your happiness you will at some point find yourself disappointed because you truly cannot control what those external things are doing Sure, they're, causing, they're bringing you happiness now. They could just as easily flip and not bring you happiness later. 
this is this really, 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 really is important when you think about other humans. We are all infallible, or we're all fallible. We all basically are going to do some dumb crap once in a while. To put somebody up on a pedestal and think that my happiness is all going to be contingent upon their happiness is setting yourself up for failure. You cannot just make everybody else happy. You can even most of the time demand of yourself to be happy. There are going to be these ups and downs in life. Embrace them. You can't have the lows without the highs. You can't even begin to appreciate the highs without the lows. I just had my 45th birthday, and it just blew my mind to think about how much I've grown over these last five years, how much more growth I have coming to me. I can't wait to see how I figure out all of this stuff, from growing the podcast to the coaching business to writing my next book to living somewhere else differently than Southern California. Where will that be? How is that going to play out? How beautiful will that experience be when I step into a whole nother environment and, and really just seize it with this sobriety and recovery mindset? Like there's just this amazing pathways that are all opening up in front of me. And most of them, I don't have any idea how they'll play out, but I cannot wait to figure it out. That's what gets me fired up. That's what gets me excited about life. What are you doing in your own life that fires you up? If you're, if you're seeking change in your life and then you're sabotaging yourself away from it, not only, once again, shameless plug for the winning formula, but do something about it. Your attitude towards the world is so important. If you see yourself as, as the victim, then you are in the disempowerment dynamic. Step into the creator role. You can seek the challenger. You can seek the coach. But just since you're the creator, you understand you create your emotions. Like I was telling one of the tribe members today, Sam, he was talking about, well, I'm waiting for that sign to let me know I'm on the right path. or I'm waiting, I'm waiting for that sign to know that all of this is heading in the right direction. And I was just like, dude, you control your life. The only person who's going to put that sign up is you. It's your highway of life. If you're driving down somebody else's highway of life, right, and then more than likely you're in the passenger seat, yeah, you're going to see signs because they've put them there. Just like in the real world, when you drive down a highway, it's not yours. It's somebody else built it. That's why those signs are there. If you had built it, you would have already put those signs there and you'd already know they were coming. <laughs> so in this analogy, the, the signs were put up by someone else. That's how you know you're going the right way. But in your own life, you have to create your signs. You do that through the well-formed outcome process. You, through that, you, you do that by really sitting down and understanding what your convincer strategy is. How will you know when you convince something? Where will you be? Who will you be with? When will it be? Where will you be? Why will you have gotten there? Who did you have to become to achieve that? What did you have to do to achieve that? What resources did you need to, um, to gather up or, or utilize that were already inside of you in order to have that outcome? These are important questions you want answers to, or you're going to be going down a highway without any signs. And then how will you know you've got there? Your attitude around the world is dictated by the attitude you have about yourself. 
if you are constantly cursing the world around you, you want to look inside yourself and say, what is so uncomfortable in me that I am directing all of my energy externally rather than paying attention to what is going on internally? There could be a lot of darkness and shadows in there, and that's okay. We didn't step into sobriety and recovery expecting it all to be easy. It's not sobriety that sucks sometimes. It's life that can suck sometimes. But let's go back to about five minutes ago when I said, you don't even fully appreciate the highs without the lows. So embrace the lows knowing that here comes the bounce back. That's so cool. And hey, you may not know how you're going to do it, but I bet you you can't wait to figure that out. Some of the other ones in here that I think are cool is uh, one was the finances. Uh, the question here is not, do you have enough money? Rather, rather it is, is your life contained and balanced within the money you do have? Oftentimes we feel very down about our finances, especially getting into sobriety and recovery. We probably didn't manage our money very well. If you can contain your life around the money that you have, you can begin to save. You can begin to find other opportunities to change jobs, start your own business, there's ways that you can begin to plan for your retirement and start stepping into adulting 101. You're, it's not that you don't have enough money. It's that you're spending too much of the money that you do have. One of the reasons I can't wait to leave Los Angeles is I really want to own a home. And it's extremely expensive to own a home in SoCal. And honestly, there's a lot of people here. And I'm a little tired of being surrounded by people. Your ability to handle stress. Do you react emotionally or unemotionally to stress? Do you understand how to handle it? Some top-notch strugglers like to create stress so they can feel excitement in their lives. I very much hope that this is not you. I really hope that you don't create stress in your life in order to feel excitement. That is such a undesirable way to create excitement in your life. There are other more beneficial ways to create excitement rather than seeking conflict and seeking out stressful situations and creating stressful situations in order to have, you know, some sort of emotional touch on your life. It goes back to something I remember reading about a while ago, somewhere I got it in my head, that a child would rather there be bad attention, negative attention, than no attention at all. So if you see a kid who starts to act out, throwing temper tantrums, stealing, breaking into things. Hell, how many of us got into drugs and alcohol at a young age? Because it was like either, you know, our parents were overbearing or not paying attention. It was something that, right? And we just felt like we needed to rage against the machine. A kid will seek negative attention if no good intentions coming at all. And for a lot of us, some trauma started to happen. We didn't feel supported. We turned to our peer network. The easiest social circle to join is the addiction one. All you have to do is have some money or the ability to get people to places where they can get drugs and show up to the party with drugs and alcohol. And all of a sudden now you're numero uno in many of people's eyes. I definitely utilized this a ton at Ball State University. And that's what led me down the path. I wanted to have a ton of friends. I wanted to be popular amongst the pretty girls. I wanted to have a bunch of dude friends, sit around, get drunk, watch football with. So that's what I found. And instead of going to class and, and getting good grades and studying, I spent a hell of a lot of time you know, in the basement of different people's homes doing drugs in the middle of the day. Not a very good way to go about things. I did not have a good stress handling mechanism in place. 
now we are sober, we are in addiction recovery, and we are seeking new resources that allow our lives to thrive rather than just survive. So I'm going to stop us here on that. Some of the, there's some great other things in this book. You know, like I said, your physical body. Uh, I will finish on physical body. I've been taking on quite a few clients lately who've got ambitions in their lives, and. One of the main ways I start off uh, my coaching programs for those that are ready to step into a more balanced lifestyle is to work on the physical body. Um, Sean T., who does the Insanity Max 30 workout program that I just finished off the Beachbody website, he talks a lot about, I think one of his favorite quotes, that he, or there's only like 12 of these videos and I just watched them all so many times. Well, I didn't watch them. I experienced them because I was jumping up and down during them. But I do remember him saying, at least in one of them, and again, maybe I watched the same thing. I experienced the same exercise like 10 times, so I just assumed it was in a lot of different videos. But he says, take control of your life, take control of your body, and you take control of your life. Let me get it out right this time. Take control of your body, and you take control of your life. And I honestly do believe that. When I first got sober and I stepped into, you know, January 13th, went to Kaiser. Um, in fact, I joined Equinox Gym. Um, January 13th was a Friday. I went into Kaiser Permanente on that Monday, which would have been the 16th. And then I went to Equinox Gym on the 17th. And, well, that's hilarious. That's one of my favorite. That's my favorite number, the 17th. I, I know I went on the Tuesday that I went into sobriety and I got into Equinox because I said, you know what? I'm going to need to have a project. I need it to be my body. I'm 230 some odd pounds and I, my body's falling apart. And I look like, I look like a, a fat ghost. I'm pale. I look sickly, but I'm also extremely overweight. And I chose to, to get my body right. And I got my mind right. And once my mind started getting back on board, next thing you know, I was feeling more emotionally balanced and I was feeling a lot more uh, with integrity and honor and humility and gratitude in my own life. And later on that year, I was introduced to NLP and things have never been the same. I would highly recommend that if you look in the mirror and see things about yourself that you want to change, that you step into that version of you who knows that you have it in you to become whoever you want if you're ready to prioritize it. And yes, there are going to be some blocks. There's going to be some hesitation. And I absolutely know there is going to be some self-sabotaging. But all of those things can be worked through if you're ready to invest in yourself. Are you ready to invest your time, your energy, your relationships, your money? Are you ready to put everything on the line in order to achieve your highest sense of self? Empowerment comes from within. Potential is something that you have on the inside. Opportunities come externally. So you work on your inside so that you're ready for the external. You work on yourself then your potential and your your attitude towards the world around you, your ability to handle stress, your ability to stay out of conflicts that you can't control, everything starts to up-level within you. And before you know it, the external opportunities, the external relationships, the external mentorships, the external healing that comes from others, seeing how much you've changed for the better, lights you up, sparks you up, shoots you to the moon. All of these things can be yours 
if you're just willing to open the door. If the door is the winning formula, great. If the door is DMing me so my assistant or I can reach back out to you and we can see about what it is that we have to offer that could take you in the right direction. If it's going to your sponsor, getting another mentor, changing jobs, asking somebody close to you in your family for help, confiding in a loved one about the vulnerability that you're ready to step into so that you can release shame and guilt and step into a world where you've released that weight from your shoulders. I don't know where you're going to find the support. I don't know what decision you're going to make. I just say, make one. Be decisive. Step into the courage, realizing that there's always going to be a little hint of fear, but it's the courageous that push the fear aside and say, I'm going to take action anyways. I'll embrace discipline and day in and day out, I will focus on making myself better, creating the life I desire. When you exercise flexibility, you can release rigidity and fear that come from the fixed mindset that want to hold you in place because this is where you feel comfortable. And through all of those six principles, you find yourself standing at the, at at the face of tenacity, being the best version of yourself every day. If you embrace these seven powerful principles, I can assure you your life will go sky high. And that my friends is where you'll meet me. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release, and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives because we wake up sober. Mm-mm-mm. Shout out, shout out, down, out, down, down. Shout out to Sunshine, Glow On. See you guys at the winning formula. Take care. See you next week. Bye bye. 